On Tuesday, August 29th, someone from 610 Sports Radio will be throwing out the first pitch before the Royals game. Find out who and come join all of us for 610 Day at the K. KCSB Kansas City, WDAFHD2 Liberty, always live on the free Odyssey app. Thanks for the journey today, folks. Here for about a little bit more of an hour. We asked the question, 913-586-7610, um, who's the biggest villain in the NFL? A lot of, lot of local bias, right? Some people say Philadelphia. Some people are saying Tyreek Hill, Eli Apple. Team-wise, people want to say it's probably the Chiefs just because they've been so successful. It's in your face. Um, because I think a lot of people want to compare. Uh, they want to compare the Chiefs to like that Golden State run, right? They want to they want to compare it to the, you know, the Golden State was you know really cool at the start, but Golden State kind of made themselves that bad guy when they went and got Kevin Durant and added him to a team that was didn't need him. Right, you already had Clay and Steph and Dre, and they were all kind of in their prime. And then you just went and got Durant and won, you know, another two. Um, so I don't know. It is what it is. But I it, again, nine one three five eight six seven six ten. Rogers not a villain. He's just a hippie. Semi charm kind of life equals acid. See, I thought it was. I thought it was crystal meth. I mean, he drops the line doing crystal. You know, whatever. I thought that's what it was. Speaking of that, Breaking Bad almost done, Quentin, with my fourth time and final time rewatch. Of Breaking Bad. Are you impressed by that, or is that just sad? Uh, I mean, Breaking Bad's good. Um, Greatest show ever made. I don't know if I would say that, but Breaking Bad is definitely a show that you can watch over and over again. It's there's, there's, very rewatchable. There's never been a show better starting or finishing or the middle of the sandwich better than Breaking Bad. I will say they, they wrapped it up very nicely, and the problem with shows like that, I feel like, like non-comedy shows, is that the endings... Sometimes they're just anticlimactic, but that one was a very good ending. Yeah, and uh, uh, gosh, uh, what was I going to say? Um, the other thing, too, is that, like, watching that show, very intense, dude. Like, I don't smoke cigs, but, like, after, like, two or three episodes in a row where there's just, like, won't go in nuts and, like, being the one who knocks, I'll be like, dude, I can only imagine watching this for the first time all over again which was a random out-of-left-field question one of the nights on my shows was, if you could experience something all over again for the first time, what would it be? Obviously, the popular one was, like, people were, like, six. Um, I was Breaking Bad experience. Because I remember that's one of those shows, right, where people were, like, you got to watch this show. you got to watch this show. And you're, like, all right, all right, I'll watch, you know, just give me a chance. And then you watch it, and you're, like, so this is why everybody told me to watch the show. If, Quentin, you don't think Breaking Bad's the greatest show of all time, what is the greatest show of all time? Oh, man, I don't know. The Sopranos? No, actually, I haven't seen The Sopranos, so. You should probably, uh, that's going to take some dedication, and I know you're a busy man, because those are hour-long episodes. Like, yeah. that's why Breaking Bad's so great, because they're like 44 minutes total, because they were on for an hour slot on television, but they're, you know, obviously commercial, so you watch it again, it's like 46 minutes, you're like, all right, two of these is an hour and a half, three of them, it's basically a movie, that's my night. But anyways, I regress back to 
the football season, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. And kind of ties into why I brought up the villain question, because for a while in Kansas City, Buffalo was the villain, right? There was no, there was no question. Buffalo was the team that, you know, you couldn't beat in the regular season, but beat him in the AFC Championship game, made Josh Allen look like a punk. You know, he punches the player, he, you know, gets all pissed off, and a fight starts in the middle of the field. And then the next year they beat you in the regular season again, but you beat him with three se 13 seconds left on the clock, and that Buffalo rivalry is no longer. I still think that there is, you know, animosity with the fan base of towards Buffalo, but that is, you know, that is no longer an issue. In moves Cincinnati. And this is really the final fresh year unless Cincinnati can continue to be that team. Now, week 17, New Year's Eve, 325, that game's going to be electric, you'd think, or the Chiefs have the division wrapped up, they have the AFC wrapped up, and a number one seed is all they obviously would have to be them to have their starters set two weeks left in the season. But Cincinnati's kind of got some villain vibes. And I'm not saying that they are the villain of the NFL because I think they're just the Chiefs villain, right? They're not the big boss. They're just like level two boss. And I look at the Cincinnati Bengals and I like it, but in order for them to stay fresh, they got to they gotta keep doing stuff, right? Like Jamar Chase did a really good job of Pat who. He knows damn well who he was talking to. And then he throws out Mahomes comes back with the ring photo. And that's all I need. That's all I need until week 17. And now you put that into perspective and you look at this season and you see the two rings on Patrick Mahomes' finger and now it seems that the, the issue that we're going to have with people is, well, they have to win a third one in order to be a dynasty. And the best thing that the Chiefs get is the Chiefs always get a free meal to eat on for an entire season. Seriously, they do, right? The first year Mahomes was a starter, wasn't a whole lot of back talk. There was, you know, divisional talk of, well, he's never played in the NFL before. We'll see how he does. And then the first three weeks, he had like 13 touchdowns, dude. And then you fast forward to the next year, and it was like, oh, they had a great year. But, you know, D Ford, I don't know if they can do it again. They lost to Brady. Brady's the GOAT. And then you win the damn Super Bowl. Okay? You win the Super Bowl. And then after you win a Super Bowl, it's, okay, can you prove it? You did it once. Can you do it again? And they took it back to the Super Bowl. They went back and went to the Super Bowl against Tampa in Tampa, lose to Brady. And then it's like, okay, well, having one too, you know, put down another, you know, fuel for the fire. And the Chiefs responded. They get back to the AFC Championship game. And then last year, which kind of makes the Chiefs a little bit of a villain conversation because what was it last year? They were like, oh, the Chiefs are just going to get handed the AFC Championship game at home again. Buffalo didn't get to play a full season. It's like turned out it worked out okay because Buffalo ended up losing to Cincinnati in the snow game. But the thing that's interesting the most is that this year, didn't ask for it. We're not here telling everybody that they're a dynasty. I think they know in their own mindset that they're, they're, they're basically a dynasty. But no one on the Chiefs out here goes out of their way to make it about them. And what's funny is at the parade, everyone sees the response. And Beach says, this is what a rebuilding look year looks like. Holy cow. We got a cloud covering the sun and a breeze came through. And praise God. Uh, that is one of the greatest feelings in the world right there. No sun on the body right now. That is awesome. And uh, we have some shade. So the other thing about this, though, is that biggest feeling right now, Quentin, the sun uh, and the ozone layer. But either way, um, you look at what this season is, and, and, and the talk is, are they a dynasty? 
and everybody says, well, what's the Chiefs' motivation this year? They never need motivation just because it is, you know, year in and year out, they just love winning. That's why Patrick Mahomes has said, I don't need to be, you know, stupidly overly paid. Just let me keep winning and let's be respectful, obviously, about certain situations when it comes to contracts. The other thing that's interesting is that it's 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 never self-inflicted. It's always outside, which is fine. If they don't think they're a dynasty, now you go win three, then what's the conversation? Then you are the biggest villain of the league. What's the what's the dark night? Die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain? Chiefs aren't going anywhere anytime soon. This team's going to be built for the next you know six to seven years as long as Veach and Reed and, and Mahomes are under control. And then not only that, but you you, you think about everything else and oh, trying to get out of this photo real quick. And you look at everything else that is involved with it, and, and it's it's outside aggravation. Feed the beast. You want to keep feeding the beast? You want to keep giving them fuel? Keep doing it. And if the Chiefs do another Super Bowl this run, and they have another season like they had last year, then I don't know who knocks them off. Coming up in a little bit, I don't know, practice is over at when? Who knows? It's 11-13 right now. We'll find out. Keep bringing your answers in. 913-586-7610. Biggest villain in the league. Team or player. Some people said Tyree Kill. Some people say Eli Apple. That, to me, seems recently kind of biased. Maybe Marcus Peters to everybody's team. He's a Raider. Let's talk division on the other side when we come back. Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, all three did something different than this offseason. All kind of involves how they can beat the Chiefs because in the division, that's the number one goal. Can you beat the people at the top? Dusty Likens, Quentin with you as well. You're listening to After Hours, Training Camp Edition, live in St. Joe. We'll be back after this on 16 Sports Radio. Song's always funny because I uh, I hate the movie Rocky. I know, I know. That's an odd thing, like hill to die on. I know it's one of my random ones. Uh, I uh, I die on a lot of random hills. Hating the movie Rocky is probably the most popular. Any particular reason? I I just. I don't know, man. I, it, it's hard for me to. It's hard for me to watch Sylvester Stallone try to act, and I get it. <laughs> he's, you know, he's he's a boxer. He's, you know, he's doing what he does, whatever. But it's just like, eh, it doesn't do it for me. Is what I'm saying. I'm not saying anybody should be ashamed for liking Rocky, but it's just it's a hill I die on. That just is. I, I don't enjoy it. You like a joke? I'm good. Um, a hill that I will also die on is I think Josh Verner is the best voice in radio. He is our Royals insider, and Vern will be on the air starting at 12 today. Vern's pregame show before the Royals go for the sweep, and Bobby Witt Jr. continues to be the hottest player on the planet outside of the name Shohei Otani, which, boy, is that fun to watch, right? I mean, that has just been that has just been awesome. If you want, you can come up here and you can get video. If you want, you can go right. I don't mind. You're good. If you can. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Um, and the thing is, is that Vern will be on the air, 12 o'clock, 12.15. Uh, you'll have a chance to win two future Royals tickets uh, to a Royals game. So you'll have a chance to call in, play the pitch clock, and win Royals tickets uh, to a home Royals game. Royals go for the sweep against Minnesota today on 610 Sports Radio. Um, tweets. We like to do this around, or X's, I guess is what it's called now. Are they called X's? I don't know. It sounds like you're just talking about a, a relationship of the past. But Nate Taylor of The Athletic, who 
a friend of the show, friend of mine, writes, the winner of today's practice, the third consecutive day in full pads, is Noah Gray, who has done well in every drill, splitting repetition, splitting repetitions with the first and second team offenses. So getting some split reps, showing that he's still available, showing that he's okay being the backup to Travis Kelsey, because that's got to be like one of the best backup jobs in the world. Um, Harold Coombs of Fox 4 tweets, another nice play from Justin Ross, back shoulder throw from Mahomes. He, along with Matt Bushman, are making very impress, very, very good impressions to be inked into the 53. That's the second inked into 53, and then Daenerys Prince, the one from Pete Sweeney, uh, who said was one of the best. Uh, you could go ahead and ink him into the uh, into the 55. Things you love to see, Quentin. All these guys that represent uh, High V that give out dogs and burgers, uh, they've shut it down. And now they get to enjoy a burger and watch the end of practice. Good thing. Things you love to see. The other thing I don't, uh, I don't enjoy seeing is, uh, so this is the time of, of day at, at, at camp here in St. Joe. Um, and, again, all our training camp coverage is brought to you by Twin Peaks, Eats, Drinks, and Scenic Views. I would do anything for a cold, tall draft uh, from Twin Peaks right now. Um, also, Technology Group Solutions, the official IT technology partner of the Kansas City Chiefs and – and I don't know why I just had a brain fart there. I was thinking about something I was going to tie in there, but I just couldn't do it. Uh, but, no, training camp coverage brought to you by Twin Peaks, Eat Strength, Scenic Views. Um, it's interesting about Camp Quentin. I don't, I don't know how to be polite about this, um, but the fact that grown-ass adults fight kids to get in the, in the, in the, in the area to get a signature, ridiculous. Look, it's one thing if you're like, you know, you're there, but to get your signature or whatever. It's another thing if you're like pushing kids or like reaching over them to get out of the way. And I think it was Rex Hudler that brought up that like if you're at a baseball game and you catch a home run ball or a fly ball and you take it away from the kid, you're just like the worst person ever. Yeah. It's the same thing here. You want to talk about villains. We have a segment when we do shows on a nightly basis, Monday through Friday. I call it the Richard of the Week. You're not a villain. You're a Richard if you're trying to get an autograph. I don't even. I couldn't tell you the last autograph I got. I think it might have been Cal Ripken when I turned nine years old. But that's. Do you have? Do you have an autograph that's that's like super famous or that you enjoy? Uh, I actually have two signature items. Um, during the Alex Gordon game uh-huh. when he retired, I caught him walking out of Kauffman Stadium and he signed my Royals hat. Hmm. So I have that, and I have a Travis Kelsey signed hat that I got from training camp a few years ago. Nice. Uh, nice. So those are my two, like, you know, cool items that are sitting in my, my room back at my house. I kind of like that. Yeah, you just, he'll never wear those hats again. Absolutely not. And what's funny, <laughs> yeah. what's funny is the, the Royals hat. Uh-huh. Um, I, it, was, it was recently my birthday, and my mom had bought me that Royals hat, and that was the first time I ever wore that hat. Mm-hmm. And so afterwards, after I got it signed by Alex Gordon, I called my mom and I was like, I can't wear this hat anymore. Yeah. Like, what would you do? And I was like, Alex Gordon signed it. And she's like, I'm upset, but I understand. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, there's a lot of people that'll say like, you know, oh, he shook my hand. I'll never watch that again. That were women uh, that met Alex Gordon. I remember the first time uh, I saw Alex Gordon in person. I was like, gee, many Christmas. I am never going to have biceps quite like that guy. Much bigger um, in person. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. 
So nine one three five eight six seven six eight. I don't know if you have a, an autograph that is that is uh, you know or a story behind it that's great. Or what is nine one three five eight six seven six eight? And what is your your most prized signature? I would say my two are Cal Ripken Jr. and Shawn Michaels. Because I think he literally just signed S. Michaels HBK. Those two are in the same book. Oh, I also have a uh, Derek Thomas signed photo uh, as well. I probably need to get that framed. I probably will get that framed sometime soon. Um, What's your Cal Ripken thing? So Cal Ripken's story is pretty interesting. This is a true story. Uh, it was his last tour of, the, of, of baseball, and he came to Kaufman. It just so happened that he came on my, on my birthday, which is August 7th, so a week from this Monday. If you wanted to get me anything, please don't. Um, I can just send you my Venmo account. Uh, that is at – I'm just kidding. But so my dad and I go to the game. My dad's kind of a pro. He knows all the ins and outs of, like, when you need to get to a game, like when batting practice starts, when players leave. And so my dad is, you know, prepping me up. He's like, hey, let's go get Cal Ripken Jr.'s autograph. I bet you can get it. Tell him it's your birthday. And, he, you know, we weren't lying. You know, it's not like we went to a restaurant. We know they give you free dessert. And we're like, oh, yeah, give me a – it's my birthday next week. It's my birthday. So – we go to the game, and uh, I had this biography that my mom had gotten me for my birthday, which was called – because Cal Ripken was my favorite player growing up because he was doing the whole Iron Man thing. He was super respectful, super nice, and uh, it was like kind of the biggest thing in sports when I was growing up. And so I, I kind of attached myself to Cal Ripken. I thought he was great, played third base, played shortstop, whatever. He comes to Kauffman Stadium, and – my dad and I get there a little early. My dad's like, uh, we should get there, you know, about 35, 40 minutes before we normally get there, which we normally get there about an hour early, so we go watch the guys hit batting practice. So we get there. Cal Ripken's down at the dugout where the visitors are, and, you know, they start, they start firing up. Uh, they start firing up, you know, license plate, baseballs, Royals hats, whatever they can get signed. And here's my little nine-year-old, you know, ass in, the, in a group of, like, literally, like, it still was then, like it is today, adults trying to get. But, again, this is Cal Ripken. So I kind of understood it. I'm like, Mr. Ripken, will you sign my book? It's my birthday. And Quentin, I swear to God, he looks directly at me, blue eyes, and goes, don't worry. I'm definitely going to get to you, kid. And it's like anything you've ever seen before in, like, movies where everything stops and you're just like, oh, God, he's talking to me. And after he signs a few more autographs, he, he reaches out his arm, picks me up on the dugout, puts me down, goes, what's your name? I'm like, oh, my name's Dusty. I'm your biggest fan. He goes, I, he's like, yeah. He goes, are you? And I go, yeah, I watched your record thing. It's my birthday. Would you sign my book? He opens it up. Full on Sharpie signs my book. I go white as a ghost. Go right back to my seat. My dad's sitting there enjoying his nachos. I sit down. I'm literally white as an Elmer's glue bottle. And he goes, "Did you get his autograph?" And I just, without even looking over at him, without even saying that, I just gave my book to my dad. And to this day, I'll never forget this. He opened it up, and I can just smell fresh Sharpie. And there it is, Cal Ripken Jr. Still have it to this day. That's my greatest uh, signature story. Very long, and, and nobody probably cares. But no, that's pretty cool. Do you like when you uh, smell Sharpie? You think about that. Mm-hmm. That's like stuck and ingrained in the back of your head. Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget that. We were sitting on the first base side about halfway up on the lower level. He opened it up, and my dad even like freaked out. He's like, oh, my. He's like, this is cool. And I was like, and I took it to get a praise one time, and some guy's like, oh, I'll give you like 2500 for it. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm never going to sell that. Unless he, you know, unless it was like, you know, worth like ten grand, then I'd probably, I'd probably sell that. Uh, we are live in St. Joe at training camp. I do want to talk about something real quick because a lot of people were considered um, – Nervous at the beginning of the year because of what Kadarius Tony's going to be, what everything like that is. Quinn, I know we have a cut of Mina Kimes uh, in our folder. If you want to cue that up, and then I'll, I'll toss to you here in a couple seconds. People are concerned, is Chris Jones going to play or not? Is Chris Jones going to be at camp? I think this is the last week, as it is Sunday. I think this is the last week that we go without seeing a Chris Jones siding in St. Joe. 
Quentin, if you want, go ahead and play that Mina Kimes cut on why the Chiefs should play Chris Jones. Looking through some of Chris Jones' stats this year and thinking through some of his performances uh, last season, not only did he play a ton of football, he had the most snaps of any defensive tackle in the NFL last year. Second most if you only count the regular season. So it wasn't just because the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl. He ranked first in like ev literally every category. He ranked first in pass rush win rate, which is ESPN's magic. You beat a block at 2.5 seconds or less. No other Chiefs defensive tackle ranked in the top 50. He ranked first amongst all defensive tackles in pressures. The next Chief was Kalen Saunders, who's no longer a Chief. He ranked first in pass rush wins versus double teams last year by a massive margin between him and Aaron Donald. He ranked first in most sacks created. I could go on and on. The point is, he was incredible. He was prolific. And I don't really have a lot of depth behind him. Like, you take him out of this defense, and it looks very different. That Mina Kimes on one Chris Jones. We Late to a break, we're supposed to have Trent McDuffie uh, after practice is over, practice is over. They're doing the final stretch, the final whatever. Mahomes on a knee. Everybody's kind of wrapping it up. If he is here, we'll see. It should be. We've only got 30 minutes left, so we're against the clock. But on the other side, we'll talk more Chris Jones. We'll talk more defense and why this defense can be a top 10 defense. This is After Hours Special Edition Training Camp Edition live up here in St. Joe. Quentin Dusty will be right back on 610 Sports Radio. Not an autograph, but my best friend has a pair of Travis Kelsey's game-used cleats, and I'm extremely jealous. That, that's something you hold on to. Yeah, you think you're taking a sniff, or you just let it be? I, I don't. I don't think I'm taking a sniff. Okay. Uh, somebody says I went to a KU basketball camp years ago. I was alone with Roy Williams. It continues. I'm not going to stop there. Uh, in an elevator, and got his autograph. Later, I ran into Drew Gooden, Kirk Heinrich. Uh, Keith Lankford and Nick Collison got their signatures on my small KU basketball. I had a sweet pair of Jordans also that Drew Gruden liked and acted like he was going to steal them from me. That was cool. See, here's Jane. the thing about yeah, getting stuff signed. It's more about the story that's behind it than just having stuff that's signed. Like, I don't want to go out and buy something that got signed by a player. I want right. the story about how I got it. Yeah. Um, that, to me, is always, like, the, the key to a signature because – James Winchester was just over here uh, signing autographs and knew some people were shaking hands. And there's still people that are like, oh, man, it's an NFL player. I want his autograph. You see the pure, like, enjoyment uh, on someone's face when they get an autograph. Right now, the noise you're hearing in the background is the D-line. It's just hammering the sleds. And uh, Hoskins is just, like, hitting it and staring at people. Like, there are children here that see the fear in this guy's eyes. I can only imagine what it's like to be a grown man having to go up against that actual NFL game absolutely crazy and you don't realize how big these people are until you get at camp it's like yeah. you see them on the field but everybody's you know six four you know yeah dude and 300 pounds it's it's crazy man like he's getting ready to hit the sled again he and Naughty and all these guys are just out here just hammering this thing that's not just you know it's not lightweight and uh it's it's pretty wild but nine one three five eight six seven six ten craziest autograph or best autograph either story or autograph that you just have in general um, I didn't get an autograph but I did meet Ron Jeremy once 
That was weird. That was at Angel's. I don't know if that's still a place. It was called Angel's Rock Bar at Power and Light. I had just read his biography for some weird reason. It was a random book that was given to me, literally. And uh, read it. He was at Angel's Rock Bar, walked by, said, hey, I just read your book. And he was like, what'd you say? And he had, like, this uh, bodyguard in front of me. He goes, oh, everybody get back. I'm like, okay, sorry. And uh, I was like, no, I just read your book. And he was like, oh, yeah, nice. He was enjoy it. And I said, ah, it was interesting. Shook his hand, done. Um, but, no, so Chris Jones, we talked about that. We played the Mina Kime audio for you as well that the Chiefs are, you know, should give an extension. You see where he's ranked. This is Look, this is just the business because people are always asking. And we had a – uh, we had a, a surprise birthday party last night. A couple dudes in there, you know, pull you to the side and say, hey, what's the deal with Chris Jones? Okay, I thought we just lost somebody for a second. I think we're all right. Okay. Was that the sled? No, that was the bleachers. I thought we just lost a fan, but I think she's okay. Oh, uh, we almost, you know, we, like the Washington Stadium? It not collapsed, but it was it was, it was, was just a person. Got a, little weak, got, got a little weak in the knees, man. Like, you think I'm hot. You're sitting on metal and the sun's just beating down your face. That's a warm seat. Um, but, no, I think the, the Mina Kimes situation that she talked about with Chris Jones or the Chris Jones situation that Mina Kimes talked about was obviously the numbers in the past and the, and the numbers indicate that he's well worth the paycheck, right? He's the number one you know, defensive player on this team. No argument there. Captain in the locker room, a, a voice of the core. And what I've talked to several people about in the past is that, you know, I think Chris Jones is part of that inner circle. I think he's part of the – you know, the, 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 the family, the circle of trust. I think it's Mahomes, Kelsey. I think Creed's there. I think Trey Smith is there. And I think that Chris Jones is there. Outside of that, I think anybody is dealable. I think anybody is negotiable. And I think anybody could be dealt when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. I truly do believe that. Um, and I think that Chris Jones is somebody they want to lock up for a long time. He's already said, I want to be a Chief for life. This is my team. I enjoy this. This is my family, Chiefs Nation, SAC Nation, whatever it is. And I think the issue is, I think, I truly believe the argument in the room is, I think it's years more than the money. I think the Chiefs want a three-year deal, and I think Jones wants a four. And again, I know nothing of the negotiations. I'm just giving you what I think is the root of the conversation. And I think four years gets you a little bit more obviously guaranteed. I think three years is, you know, it's kind of one of those like, ah, it's really a two-year contract with a third-year option because he's already under contract for this year. So a three-year deal makes it a four-year deal. A four-year makes it a five-year deal, which makes it pretty expensive to be paying upper millions and paying at one point a 33, 34-year-old 30, 30, uh, defensive line. Just my personal opinion. So I think that when you look at the conversation, I think eventually you just have to show up. Light practice. Hell, let Chris Jones just show up in a yellow jersey. Non-contact till he gets paid. Then we're good. 913-586-7610. Best autograph you've ever gotten. Story behind it. If not, maybe it's just an iconic player as practice has ended in St. Joe. Coverage will continue for at least another 20 minutes here. Uh, on 610 Sports Radio, I am Dusty Likens, the host of this show called After Hours, but it's a training camp edition brought to you by Twin Peaks, Eats, Drinks, Scenic View. Um, we talked earlier today, you know, I know we're shouting you a lot of questions, but we talked earlier today about what game on the schedule is are you looking forward to the most? Schedule, you know, game blank does it for me. And I think that when you when you think about how we directed this conversation, a lot of it led towards not a whole lot of division talk. I know Quentin said he's looking forward to the first home game against the Chargers. 
outside the division. One thing the Chiefs have done very well is worried about the inside division. But what's funny is everybody outside of their own division worries about the Chiefs. And that's why the Chiefs are so far along. We'll wrap this show up. We'll hope we get Trent McDuffie here in a little bit. We're supposed to. That's what we were told yesterday. You're listening to After Hours Training Camp Edition, 913-538-6716. That's text line. Get your questions in. I'll try to answer as many as I can. Also, we'll wrap this thing up and hopefully have an interview here in a little bit. You're listening to Training Camp Edition Sunday morning after hours here on 610 Sports Radio. I always love this number at the end of the day. Uh, over 300 hamburgers were sold today. They ran out of propane. So, Quentin, I'm telling you, man, I do it every show. I get an update from hy V. Ran out of propane, sold over 300 hamburgers. It's 1,000 degrees outside. That's like when the draft was in town and yeah. there were the numbers of how much brisket was sold on the oh, first Oh, by night. the pound. Yeah. I always, I always love the, the hamburger number. We'll do it again on uh, Saturday next week, and then I'll be here Friday as well. So we'll get a hamburger total. Uh, pouring in with autograph stories. Somebody said, I stood next to Danica Patrick at Cracker Barrel next to uh, the Daytona Speedway. Good for you. I always liked Danica Patrick. I swung, uh, I swung and missed with Kay Adams, but that's a different story for a different day. We, we followed that during the draft. Uh, somebody said... Um, I have a Trent Green signature on my YMCA flag football uniform. I got it playing the one year. Um, and then he says, uh, what did he say after that? I can't see the text. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, he says, so it's only a little weird. I still have a child's YMCA jersey. Hey, once again, it's about the story. My dad has a, uh, he, was it Priest Holmes was yeah. behind him when he was trying to cash his check. And my dad was wearing a ratty Marcus Allen jersey. Nice. And so my dad was like, I can't have this guy sign a Marcus Allen jersey. Somebody says, uh, waited an hours, waited hours in line at Bartle Hall to get a Stone Cold Steve Austin autograph. Yeah. I just, I don't know if, it, it, there's a kid over here, he's got a sign that says it's my seventh birthday, Travis Kelsey. So those are the people that I root for. That's a birthday you'll never forget because that's what we were telling the story about uh, Cal Ripken signing an autograph for me when I turned nine, and I still remember the smell of the Sharpie. Dude, Travis Kelsey comes over here and signs that kid's sign. Life made. Um, we are in our final segment. Quentin Wright, no more commercials. We're, we're here until the end. Uh, just one, one to wrap up the show. One to wrap up the show and send it to Vern. Remember, Josh Vernier will hit the airwaves at noon. You have a chance to win two free Royals tickets to a future home game. All you got to do is call in. Get the pitch clock question right. You get 20 seconds. You get two tickets to a future Royals game. Also, August 29th will be 6-10 day at the K. So all of us will be out there. We'll find out if Carrington Harrison gets one of his bucket lists finally, if he gets to throw out a pitch at a, the first pitch of a Royals game. Who knows? He's been talking about that. He's been trying to do that for years. Dude, he's all over that. I just want him to fail so bad at it. because he <laughs> Like Travis Kelsey's spike? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a time when, um, you know, Carrington did a camp show and he thought he could run uh, some sort of drill, and Danny Parkins called him out and put him on, called his bluff, and was like, "Nah, you got to do this. Try it right now." And it, it was so funny. And he just couldn't do like, I think it was like a 20-yard sprint back and forth a few times. He just couldn't do it. Oh, uh, dude, it was so funny. Um, and I just love people that I know failing miserably in front of everybody. Like I failed last year doing the steal the base. I didn't make it back in time. They also cut five seconds off of my time. 
and uh, now no one gets to do it. I ruined it for everybody. Um, but then again, you know, life's short. Live it while you can. But speaking of Vern and the Royals, man, I, w I do want to talk a little bit about um, what we've seen the last couple of days. Because Friday night I went to the game, best Royals game of the year, got lucky. Um, the arrival of Bobby Witt Jr., man. It's real. And I think this is, I think this is officially, you know, the Bobby Witt that we were we were told about. This was the guy that we were gonna, you know, hey, this could be a superstar in the MLB. This could be a guy that potentially could win Rookie of the Year. This is a guy that could potentially, you know, be an MVP. Is gonna be somebody that the Royals are gonna have for a couple years, and then it's gonna be gone. And that's typical Royals thing. But let's not worry about that. Look at what Bobby Witt Jr.'s done the last two nights, right? Walk off Grand Slam the night before was first plate appearance last night. Home run. Four for five, four for five, and back-to-back -back games. Absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. When you think about what Bobby Wood Jr. does for this franchise and what he's doing right now, that's giving you something to watch. And I know there's a lot of people out there that have said in the past that, oh, I'm not going to watch the Royals. They're so bad. They've only got 31 wins. Why would I put my attention towards that? And then you think about, you know, well, if you want something to look at, you want something to follow along, watch Bobby Wood Jr. while he's at it. Because right now, outside of Shohei Otani, the hottest player in baseball, without a doubt, for the last month at least, maybe the last month and a half, has been Bobby Wood Jr. His July has been off the charts. His, his season this year has finally come to fruition, and you see what he's done with everything that he has in the last couple of games. Bobby Wood Jr. is finally arrived, and it's time to sit back and watch it. So after you listen to Vern stay on the air, you go home and you watch the Royals, or you continue to listen to the Royals on 610 Sports Radio. Bobby Wood Jr., man, superstar status, it's super enjoyable. <laughs> Haven't seen anything like it in a Royals uniform in quite some time. Just the way he's been so dominant and it looks so fluid and it looks like it's finally here. The pieces have been put together and the, and the ride is complete. So enjoy Bobby Wood Jr. because it's something special and the kid has finally arrived. Uh, we'll wrap this show up, though, is, uh, you know, when you look at uh, – you look at the, the Chiefs as we wrap up the first uh, the first week of, of, of practice, right? And you think about, or I guess, yeah, first full real week of practice, right? Because they had pads on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So three full days of pads. Uh, we open the show off with everybody concerned about Travis Kelsey and throwing punches, dude. I don't think you have to worry about Kelsey and throwing punches. I get it. You don't like to see it. But everywhere there's a camp story, right? Everywhere there's a camp story. There was one in Cincinnati, Orlando Brown uh, Jr. and their and their DN got into it. He had scratches all over his neck. It's like, dude, it's hot, it's early. These guys want to hit somebody. This is their this is their thing, and you know sometimes people you know they come at you and it, and you, you got to give them a little you know you got to give them a little notice. You got to say, hey man, not me today. And if you keep poking the bear, the bear's gonna bite. That's just the way the business works, and so. When you, when you look at this, look at it with a grain of salt. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, there's no need to, to take it with, oh, man, I don't know. Should we be worried about Travis Kelsey? Is he going to do that kind of thing in a, in a real game? Absolutely not. No, no. You don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. He's a vet. I get it. You don't like to see, you don't like to see the fact that, that teammates are having friendly fire, but you like to see that the, that the adrenaline and the attitude is, is turned up. And you've only played, I guess, after it's day, but you've only played two full game, two full practices and pads. These guys are ready, man. They know what this season is. 
They're tired of the, of the trash talking from outside the division, and that's where he kind of left off in the last segment. And it builds up through camp, and they, you know, they get after it, and they, you know, they go after one another, and it is what it is. Obviously, you don't want to see your team fighting, but you want to see your team, you know, pissed off, engaged, angry, ready to go. You know, somebody's got to be a red ass on your team, and if it's going to be Travis Kelsey, let it be Travis Kelsey. You want to come in the King? Don't miss. But we talked about this a little bit on the other side before we went to break, which was a lot of teams, I guess a lot of teams, they worry about one team. And that's, and that's everybody worried about the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody worries, well, how can we beat the Chiefs? How can we beat the Chiefs? Well, the best part about being on top is you don't have to worry about beating anybody. You just got to worry about getting right back to where you were. And that's where the Kansas City Chiefs differ from everybody else. That's where they differ from everybody else. They don't have to worry about, okay, well, how can we beat Team A? How can we beat Team B? The Chiefs drafted to fix their own problems because they knew that the biggest problem they had was trying to win consecutive Super Bowls. They tried to do that this year and solidify the book of a dynasty when it's all said and done. So when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, what's their biggest worry? How do we get back to the AFC Championship game because that leaves us one game away from the Super Bowl? Cincinnati, Buffalo, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos, Philadelphia. Their biggest concern right now is the Kansas City Chiefs. Literally. And I know that Philadelphia is an NFC team, but they've only done nothing but concern themselves with the Kansas City Chiefs all year. That's just what they've been doing. And it's not pathetic, but it's, it's entertaining. And the one thing that keeps the Chiefs above everybody else winning helps is the fact that they don't have anything to worry about. They don't have anybody to worry about outside of, you know, just getting to the you know top of the division. They've won their division seven consecutive years. They've been to the AFC Championship game five consecutive years. They've been to three Super Bowls. They've won two. The continued pattern of success every year stays the same. Don't worry about everybody else. You can't do, you can't worry about what you can't control. And the Chiefs know that every year it starts in St. Joe and then goes into preseason. It goes into the division. They always win their division, it seems. They've won it seven consecutive years. The Broncos haven't beat them since Obama was in office. And not only that, but uh, the Chiefs continue to show their success year in and year out. They, they've won, again, they've won two Super Bowls, been the three. Um, and they've only lost in the AC Championship game when it comes to the playoffs. Never played a road playoff game, never had Mahomes go anywhere else. But again, you don't have to worry about anybody else when you're the top dog. 913-586-7610. My uncle was at the game with Stan Musial the day I was born, and he signed a scorecard. Happy birthday from Uncle, San, uncle Stan Musial. Can't beat that. My dad has a signed baseball from Don Larson when he threw the perfect game in 1956. Not to one-up you, but... Yeah, that ball's still in my dad's dresser drawer. My papa took me to Vegas for my graduation and met Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra, and I have Frank Sinatra's fedora he signed and gave to me as well of a bottle of unopened Jack Daniels they both signed. That's dope. That takes the cake for signatures today. That probably is the, that, I mean, dude, the Rat Pack, two of the three, the only one you missed was Sammy Davis Jr., but you got a fedora from old Blue Eyes. You got a bottle of Jack signed by the late, great Tony B. Oh, come on, man. Quinn, that, that's, that right there, that's the cake today. 
We've had some pretty good stories coming in. Yeah, you got a little bit. Yeah, somebody says, <laughs> I have Randy Jackson's autograph on a samurai sword. It's all I had with me, and you're not going to get Randy Jackson's autograph? That's from uh, The Office. I'm pretty sure. You hear the music, that means we got to get out of here. No Trent McDuffie today, unfortunately. Don't know what happened with that. We'll uh, we'll move on, though. Not a, not a surprise. We were supposed to have him today, uh, but it is what it is. Um, thanks to Quentin, man. Thanks for you for running the board. Thanks for Jay Binkley joining the show. Um, thanks to all the listeners out there, the text line. I appreciate you. Y'all have a great rest of your afternoon. Coming up next, Vern. Vern's on deck show. Vern's pregame show. Vern's Bobby Witt show. You have a chance to win tickets to a future home Royals game. All you got to do is get the pitch clock right. Jay Binkley joins him at 12.50 to have a double play. 12.15, that is. Everybody else, be safe. Have a happy Sunday. I'm out of here. Take care. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens, live from Chiefs Training Camp on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app.